and welcome to the Automation Conversation podcast, the official podcast of Birmingham Tech Week, brought to you by Sferica, an automation-first managed service provider, and Synaptech, an innovative intelligent automation business. The series will feature insights, engaging conversations, and some challenging questions designed to help simplify the complex topic of automation. You'll be joined by a host of fantastic guest speakers to engage you in the automation conversation. Welcome to the latest episode of the Automation Conversation podcast, Automation and Employer Wellbeing. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how technology is helping to bridge the physical gap between our teams and enabling us to stay better connected in the hybrid world of work. I'm delighted to be joined today by two inspirational founders who are both huge advocates for how technology can help improve the experience of our most valuable assets, our people. So firstly, Ben Williams, co-founder of Lupin, an innovative people intelligence platform which has employee experience at its heart. He's also a former Royal Marine and author of Commando Mindset. So his journey into the world of tech has been truly inspirational, but um, I won't go into that in too much detail. I'll leave that to you to go through in a moment, Ben. So welcome today. Thank you. We're also joined by the equally inspirational Yanis Maus, founder and CEO of Birmingham Tech, a not-for-profit organisation created to help connect and elevate the tech community and in our local region of the West Midlands. It's also board director of Tech Nation and generally a powerhouse of influence in the tech sector. So thanks for joining us, Yanis. Welcome. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. So before we get started, I'd love to just hear a little bit more about you both. So Ben, do you want to start off? Uh, give us a little bit of a background to how you ended up creating Lupin. Yeah, I'll try, try and keep it really uh swift and i just want to acknowledge the fact that you have covid and you haven't mentioned it so far and i think <laughs> listeners should be open to the fact that we're plowing on with resilience here to um to ensure we get this over the line um so yeah uh, i suppose the genesis of lupin goes way back to my sort of youth i struggled a little bit at school um unfortunately fell into the wrong side of life and had to make a, a decision to either go left or right and my mother's sort of key words to me were you're either going to end up dead or in prison um, and didn't think either of those were a great option for the sort of life I was living. Mm -hmm. And I always had this boyhood dream of becoming a Royal Marine, which I'd lost along the way and sort of plucked up the courage to become a, a, a Royal Marines commando, um, sort of completely rejigged my life, managed to find a new path and, and, and went into that kind of health and fitness and more towards moving towards a goal that I wanted to achieve. And yeah, then I found myself within the Royal Marines and I spent 10 years um, within, within what we call the core um traveling around the world seeing some incredible places seeing some not so incredible places um doing my part in active service and seeing operations in afghanistan and then sort of tailoring off the end of my career as um i was actually originally going towards special forces and unfortunately due to medical reasons um that was put on hold and um i found myself one moment trying to be sort of andy McNabb, the next minute uh finding myself being medically discharged from the corps and and at that time, I was working with recruits, I've seen this incredible experience of seeing young, raw civilians go from that world and, and turning into raw Marines themselves. And um, it was at that point, I was fortunate enough to work with the England football team where I thought, well, there's something here. There's, you know, I can feel sorry for myself. I have to get kicked out of the job I love or I can go and make something and do something different in the world. And that was really the catalyst to, to realise 
the potential of how Royal Marine thinks and also how that's transferable to the civilian world. And that there's elements of our ethos and our value system that are applicable to any team. Um, and I spent the next few years alongside my business partner, who is also a Royal Marine, but he was from the officer world. So we sort of disregard that a little bit. Um, and uh, we created a business which was helping companies engage their people better uh, through um, quite unique workshops that bring leaders in and bridge that gap between the employee and the leader and, and how you make people feel a bit more part of the company, not just clicking buttons, not just doing surveys, but understanding, you know, the, the raw sort of um, human within the business and, and, and that intelligence behind that human capital. And um, we worked really hard there. We had some great times. That's where we sort of jumped into Birmingham. We uh, grew our network there. We worked very closely with one of the banks. We um, worked with Facebook and just had an, an incredible experience. But then, as we all know, the pandemic turned up and um, completely shifted the way we work. And we weren't ready for digital experience uh, for our workshops and no one wanted to get coaching. So there was a case of where we sit back and relax and hope it blows over, which I'm glad we didn't because it's we're 795 days in now and that, that one worked out too well. Um, <laughs> Or we pivot into tech, which was the the genesis for Lupin, where we where we find ourselves today. That's, that's quite a big jump, though, isn't it? I mean, to go from I guess face to face and sort of sharing your personal experiences to actually creating a platform is quite a big leap. You know, what what did you have around you that that led to that? A very supported wife, um, <laughs> a, a, but a deep passion. You know, we, one of the things we did have was an incredible amount of data within ourselves that had already seen the problems evolving and, and, you know, the disconnect between employees and managers and why does that disconnect even happen? You know, we're all, we're all human beings. And yet for some reason, when we go into a role, it's like, Oh, there's the manager and those are the employees. And it's kind of, it shouldn't exist. I come from a world in the Royal Marines where there is that leadership structure, but you also have a dynamic where empathy is there. You can empower people. There is that connection. You can show emotion, within whatever range that looks like um and so we had all this data there where we would that's where we kind of put it together like this pandemic is going to cause something and it was it was like founders luck they call it the sort of hopefully it will happen if we start building something and we thought it's already begun before the pandemic this drift and also well-being and engagement it's just it was just all broken it was all wrong um and so we took a stab in the dark to say maybe this pandemic will hang around for a while and, and it's going to change a lot and lo and behold two years later it has yeah it's fantastic isn't it because I, I think that I've actually worked from home long before the pandemic drove it so I've been about five or six years and um and you know my kids used to go to after school club and if they ever did come home early I'd pretend they didn't exist I'd make sure they were quiet you know relatively young children we weren't allowed to have a life outside of work in my perception anyway what why I perceive that I don't know but but the pandemic has changed that for the better I think that we are allowed to talk about well we're human beings we've got family we've got children um and I think it has really driven something when it's it's just going to be really interesting I think to see once we start to get back into more routines that are similar to what they were before the pandemic how we continue to enable that to enable people to be human and have human emotions in in a workplace uh, I guess there's a generational thing as well that you know, you know, people coming up through the ranks will have a, a much better um, grasp on that kind of well-being than than I did potentially start my career 25 years ago. But yeah, it's, it's really exciting. I think to to see it's, it's you know it's horrible to to talk about positives from from the pandemic, but I think that is one of the big positives that we have enabled people to be people and human more so than we were before. Yeah. 
Brilliant, thank you. Such an inspirational uh, background there. So, Yanis, um, so for you, really, what was the driving force behind Birmingham Tech? Yeah, so I mean, for, first of all, um, just got to say, Ben, what what an inspirational um, and amazing story. Um, you know, um, phenomenal, kind of to kind of go from where you were to to where you are now, and um, yeah, just 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 wonderful. So, I just wanted to kind of thank say you. that first of all. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, actually, just before I do that, we were talking there about um, what the pandemic's done. And actually, I I've always kind of been someone that's, I guess, quite in touch with my emotions. <laughs> and I've always hit it to a certain point, because I felt that it was a, a weakness, especially in the world of work. And, and I think absolutely that has shifted during the pandemic. And I think it's an an incredible thing to see actually that, that people can be themselves and and actually someone asked me the other day what what do you think the the biggest trend will be around kind of technology and it wasn't it wasn't anything to do with technology whatsoever actually it was authenticity um that has to be kind of the the thing that we all focus on now you know being authentic and being who we are um and i think that's going to hopefully create a, a better world for all of us so i just thought i'd kind of throw that out there yeah. <laughs> before i kind of come on to um kind of Birmingham tech um so yeah I guess, I guess kind of similar really kind of you know followed my purpose and and, and passion always had a a real affinity um towards kind of um, the West Midlands and, and Birmingham and you know worked in technology all my life um you know not to the extremes of, of Ben but you know I didn't have the, the greatest of starts in in life working class background and kind of left school with you know kind of two GCSEs to my name and didn't really know what I was going to do in my life and um, you know I think kind of you know these stories are very kind of very common and um, you know fell into technology and it gave me that that lease of life and, and so taking those two passions and operating and living in Birmingham I was like well it's got huge potential this this city and this wider region has got so much potential so much momentum behind it but we're still lagging behind some of the other cities and and some cities actually that you know done really really well but you know we dwarf in terms of, of size like bristol like leeds um, and so i wanted to find out why that was and so started to do kind of some um research and, and talk to people and just kind of get, get a flavor of what was going on and really it came down to to three core things um the first being kind of collaboration um you know, it, it's a big ecosystem and therefore a lot of the things that are going on are really good, but it's really fragmented. It's hard for an entrepreneur to navigate that and therefore they're not getting the necessary support that they need on their journey. The second thing was, was something around inspiration. And I think that links into kind of ambition and culture um, as, as kind of Brummies. And I'm an adopted Brummie, by the way. I'm from Nottingham originally. Um, mm -hmm it's quite self-deprecating kind of the, the, the kind of culture of the region and therefore you know and that's a good thing that is a good thing but actually sometimes it's like yeah that's good but what about the ambition let's like do more and let's kind of you know aim higher um, and I think that links to that inspirational piece have we got the people that have been there and done it that actually people can look at and go I identify with that person and most people have to kind of cross over every single demographic and, and walk of life. And then the third and final thing was, and I guess, again, this links to the culture piece, 
we weren't really celebrating our success. Um, there were some really, really good things that are happening, you know, Gymshark, you know, Nourished, Crowd Property, organisations like that. And no one was really given a platform to celebrate their success. So I created Birmingham Tech Week um, really as a kind of aim to do that in a, in a condensed period of time initially. And it was a it was a side project, hustle, whatever you want to call it, really, just to, you know, I felt that it needed to be done. Um, and within six months of starting, um, started in July and we launched in October, so not even six months, we had 5,000 people attend um, across 60 events, 40 different locations, and it became the biggest UK tech festival outside of London. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> we're onto something here. There, there, there's definitely a need. Um, it wasn't just kind of uh, an assumption. Um, but I kept saying during the week, if, if that's just a week of activity, we've kind of missed a point um, because it needs consistency and, and we need to keep driving this forward. And I kind of assumed at that point that someone would kind of take the baton and, and, and run with it. I, I was, I'd started a startup at this point. Um, and so I was like kind of, okay, waiting and waiting and it never happened. And at the same time, the startup I was working at, you know, was very early on. 10 years prior to that, I'd kind of, you know, sorry, 10 years I'd spent at a startup. So I knew how hard it was. I was like, actually, do you know what? Birmingham Tech Week is probably more aligned to, to really who I am right now in my life and more with my purpose and passion. And so I, I decided to kind of form Birmingham Tech as an overarching organization. And um, yeah, been there, been there ever since really, kind of two years on, um, doing kind of, you know, running accelerators, helping kind of, you know, high growth businesses, running Birmingham Tech Week still as, as part of it. Um, and then doing a lot around connecting the ecosystem. Um, so yeah, kind of really phenomenal journey, but you know, it's it for, for me, it's an inspirational role because I get inspired every day by the people working, you know, across the ecosystem. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. We were fortunate enough to go and uh, join you at Birmingham Tech this year, at Birmingham Tech Week, and it, it really was, it was just brilliant to see the, the talent and the excitement around um, the, the exhibition and everything is, is kind of, you can feel the passion in the, in the region and it's great to have a platform for it. So good luck with it all and we'll stay close. <laughs> Brilliant. So let's dive in. Um, so basically, I want to just talk really around how technology and automation are impacting employee relationships. So first question, really, without downplaying any of the dreadful impact of the pandemic, the speed with which it changed or revolutionised ways of working has been nothing short of awe inspiring, as we were saying. Um, the rapid adoption of technologies that have made it possible to work from anywhere and the, there's now no reason to be in an office for a lot of jobs means we've got a better balance of what we how we manage our home and our work life but it has taken away one of the fundamental parts of, of work and that is that social interaction for some work is your social life so what's your point of view on the long-term impact of that and what do you think tech the tech industry tech sector can do to help um, I'll throw that out to you, Ben, first. Yeah, I think uh, there's this shift. We're in a shift, aren't we? That, that's what's happening. We're in a huge shift at the moment, and it's put a... Uh, there's a lot of stuff up in the air still. You know, I, I wrote a post on LinkedIn this morning, and we come back to that number, the 795 days today since we entered the UK pandemic. Um, and with that comes that we've only we're only really just sort of coming out of if we really are, you know, Yanis, you had COVID a week or so ago, you got it today, you know, and 
my family have just had it and so it's still lingering it's still this presence and so it's still very in our face and it's not going away for a long time and and then, and I think the other thing is that timing being timing not to sort of shift the conversation but there's a lot of other stuff now happening in the world which we're seeing on a daily basis you know in the Ukraine especially and everything happening and living costs going through the roof and um, the impact on inflation for people's lives is it's not just a pandemic it's now this continuity of adversity and my dog's joining in the conversation as well now if you can hear her <laughs> hopefully you can. she's she's got an opinion on it all um <laughs> and Aberdoodles always do but it, it's this this shift that we're going through that now puts us into a new phase of problems that can you hear her is she annoyed she's not annoying at all <laughs> she's got this really annoying bark as well oh, it's a lovely bark but when you're on a podcast it's the wrong bark to have in there let me just um he's welcome sorry molly can you be quiet please i Thank think we should much. leave it in i i, I think again we're talking <laughs> about authenticity right this is part we of need molly. i'll bring her in come on molly right grab a seat grab a microphone we're talking about the impact of the pandemic um going back there's this there's this transition of adversity now as well that, that's the biggest thing and i and i think with that it, it comes there's going to be this overwhelming impact that i just don't think we're even aware is occurring just yet the millions of people have been basically in isolation for several years now in and out and and what we've also been living with is this constant state of fear and stress and concern and worry and different levels for different people um and i found i've been doing a lot more talks to people you know, almost away from looping about, oh, how are you thinking during these situations? And even I'm having to look inside and going, I've got two children, a mortgage and a wife and a business. It's it's frightening to see what's going on. What I do know, though, is the impact and the power of having a community around you that isn't there to solve your problems, but is there to be able to communicate with when you are up, when you are down and and have those people around you that are your support network. They don't have to be mental health advocates. They don't have to be mental health first aiders. They don't have to be your manager. They don't have to be your mum or your dad. They are people that you can just go to and go, this is a tough day today, or I'm having a great time and celebrate it. And this is where technology can really fit in. And this is, you know, the whole premise of what we're doing at Lupin is to be part of that shift that it's about bridging the gap. There is a human disconnect now between how we socially interact it's coming back but what we've also seen the impact of is people for two years have been communicating through these means so now having a communication let's say someone's come out of university they've gone straight into a job and they spent the last two years in that job not really seeing their line manager on a daily basis not really seeing the art of leadership not really seeing how a team comes together not really seeing what collaboration looks like but those there's now hundreds of thousands of those people in the ecosystem of employment who are now taking what they think forward into the next phase and what they know is hybrid um and i think going back to the point it, it is it's dreadful what's happened and it's dreadful what continues to happen pandemic aside it's there's a lot going on we need to be there for one another more often and we spend almost eight to nine hours a day whether you're at home hybrid in the office with people you work with and this gap between who we work with and it's just an employee or it's just my manager it's just my boss should no longer exist and the reason and i speak and this is why i believe we're the right people to build the product we're building because we come from a world in the royal marines where 
there's 30 of you left in a compound in the middle of nowhere in the green zone and you're fighting day and night to ensure that you survive it's not about queen and country it's not about the government it's not about the strategy it's about one another and mm. it's only that relationship between one another that you can get yourself through those difficult situations and it comes from laughing it comes from crying it comes from open and there's such a big stigma that we're big hard burly men with daggers between our teeth it's it's completely wrong it's we have a community that supports one another and, and that's the kind of dose that, that sample that we're taking across to bring into the world now where tech can quite easily um, support that and actually create that human connection um, that I think a lot of people are longing for. Yeah, I mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um, I think that the, the one thing, having seen Lupin, obviously we can come on to that in a bit more depth, but just that that making it easy to keep a barometer of people because you're not seeing their face. You know, when we were physically in front of people, you could see when someone looked a bit down or they weren't a normal, normal bubbly self. We just don't have that in a lot of environments now. So it's brilliant to see tech solutions coming out really from where most of the best tech comes from is a problem that we just can't solve in any other way. So it's brilliant to see. So Yanis, let me um, bring you into that as well. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely spot on. And, and, you know, I look at my kind of personal experience through the, the pandemic and, you know, I, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I love people, right? And it's kind of what I do, right? I kind of literally kind of spend half my time talking and having conversations with people and, and being a soundboard. But that's draining. Um, and so when the, the pandemic happened and we all got locked away, I actually felt right at the start, this is, this is refreshing. I, I actually, you know, because it was so draining before, I've almost got this release and I can focus and I've got clarity for the first time and I can, mm -hmm. I can you know, focus on strategy. It, it, you know, it's really amazing. Now that didn't last. So <laughs> six months down the line, I was like, shit, I need to get out and speak to yeah. people. You know, yeah. this is this isn't good. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and, and then we kind of kind of went out and back in, out and back in. And then, you know, the world started to open up again a little bit more. And I was in planning mode for Birmingham Tech Week. And two weeks before Birmingham Tech Week last year, I burnt out. I didn't even get to, to the event that I created. Mm. Um, and, and, I, and that was because, in part, of isolation, of the way that we're now operating as a society, as humans. We need that, that personal human connection that, that Ben so eloquently talked about. And so, actually, now, and, and Ben, you mentioned this, so take this with a pinch of salt, but there's something about the word hybrid that grates on me. And I think it's because it's, it's, it's a word that's been created by the corporates. Mm. It's a, an employer work mm. phrase. And I think actually what we should be focusing on now is people-led work. And, and what I mean by that is it shouldn't be hybrid in terms of you know, you work from here on two days, you're here, with work, you're here from three days, whatever that may be. It's about what works for you in the moment, right? And I think that's, that's what we need to be looking for is to empower the people that work for us and trust them to make the right decisions to work from wherever, whenever. Um, now, the great thing about the world we live in right now is we've got platforms like Lupin 
that allow us to connect and collaborate and understand wherever we're working from. So the problems that existed pre-pandemic and the reasons why people weren't empowered to do that have gone. So, so we need to shift and we need to shift fast to enable people to, to kind of have that, that human connection. And then I think community is key to all of this. Um, make sure you've got a community, make sure you surround yourself with the right people. Um, again, they're not there to solve your problems, but, but hey, just having conversations, having a beer, it, it, it helps, it really, really does. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. It's really good to hear your experience. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and, I, and I think you're right. It is the, the um, we probably all went through that little bit of a roller coaster. I equally love to talk, but um, I don't find these conversations the same as I do. It's like when we met a couple of weeks ago, Yanis, around the table, you're like, you, know, you could talk all day. Um, and I, I think that balance, like you said, it needs to be on the terms more of how do each, does each individual want to work rather than a forced kind of mantra of we're doing hybrid because we say you can have a couple of days at home. Um, it's really, it, it, I think it, it is going to be a really interesting future to see how that pans out. We hopefully have just enabled more trust in, in our employees, haven't we, that people do want to do good work. Most people do want to do good work. And if it's on their terms, they'll even put more effort in because they're getting that reward of having the balance. So. Exciting. And I think that's the, the point, right? <laughs> the, the, the companies that will go on to succeed are the companies that get it. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately. I was literally you know, about to say that. Yeah. It's, it, like, look at P&O, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. P&O are a dinosaur. And, you know, like, I mean, that's taken it to the extreme. What they've done is, is just horrendous. Mm. But on a micro level, I'm sure there are lots and lots of businesses that do stuff like that day in, day out. Oh, yeah. Some of it's embedded right. within their cultures. And, and therefore, you know, I think there's an opportunity for new companies to emerge, um, but also other companies to, you know, shift and, and, and change. And so, yeah, hopefully we'll create a better environment for, for us all. Absolutely. I think with the, my CTO said something at the beginning when we started employing the team and it was carnage and we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, trying to build a business through a pandemic as well has been somewhat interesting. Um, <laughs> There's nothing like picking your times. And he said, uh, he made this fabulous point, which has become true. It was almost like he had this mystic ball to see into the future. And this is probably back late 2020 when it was the height of everything. And he said, COVID's a dam and, and COVID's going to be the dam that keeps people within their jobs for now while they have to move through this unsafe term uh, time. And then when it all begins to die down, they'll see what really matters in the world. Uh, and that's from a human level. They'll see their family's importance. Things will become very real for them and what they've been maybe disregarding for a while. But then he made the point around people will leave and they will leave the companies that have not cared for them for the pandemic, didn't care for them before, have been doing classic P&O uh, displays of just sacking people as and when. And all it takes now is communication platforms like Slack and teams and a laptop for you to be able to work anywhere you want in the world for companies that do provide what you want. And, and it's now happening. Like the great resignation is a fantastic example. Like we were in the States last year, uh, um, so early this year, and they said in November alone, 4 million people walked away from their jobs and over 30 million throughout the year. That's like the pandemic's not even finished and people are leaving their jobs. Um, and in the UK we're seeing within early q1 was um near to a million people walking away from their roles and they go in places that they want to be kept they go into your gym sharks they go into your slacks they go into the companies that 
don't tick the box of well-being don't tick the box of uh, social responsibility it's it's within their ethos it's within their values and and I think that's now the shift we're beginning to see that people are realizing that they're going to do it and there's going to be companies that we're already speaking to them companies that are looking at us going well how does it work why would we want to listen to their emotions because you need to be an early adopter of this because they're moving and they're going to move very quickly and they'll go to your competitor mm-hmm. and they'll either fly the flag of great marketing saying what a great place to work for or they're going to say some pretty damn damning things. And, uh, and that's the bit business leaders need to wake up to, I think, at the moment. Yeah, definitely seeing more of that, even on LinkedIn, you know, sort of people being much more honest about why they've left a company. It seems like people aren't putting up with the toxic toxicity that they've had before. Uh, and, I, and I kind of admire that. They're coming out and saying, I've walked away, I need work, because I wasn't prepared to, to stay in that environment. So it has empowered a lot, I think, on the employees. Mm need to keep that momentum yeah um, so glass doors shares must be going through the roof at the moment <laughs> <laughs> i was just thinking exactly that oh uh, yeah i think glass door is kind of that 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 kind of i mean it was good before the, the pandemic right you know if you ever considered kind of changing jobs or, or roles you should go to place to just see you know um what's going on right now wow I mean, you know, um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's good. We've got the, you know, things that hold organisations accountable. I think that's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, some still won't care, but hey, that's, that's yeah. on them. Yeah, I think that is the, the employee-led, you know, becomes a term, doesn't it? But it needs to be actually led from the board downwards that if we, employees are making these huge decisions and our recruitment costs are going up and we're having to lose you know all the knowledge and the journey that you, um, with employee and you know like it's got to become a strategic priority to make sure you are not just ticking boxes that you're actually listening so podcast is all about automation <laughs> so um just jumping back into that obviously inevitably when you talk automation it sounds like you're trying to replace that human interaction and we at Sparica and Snapchat we're very much about this is not about replacing people this is about empowering people bringing together people process technology um, and we believe genuinely that automation does enable you to spend more time because it takes away some of that mundanity of tasks. How is automation technology simplifying the way that we manage employees' experiences? Yeah, I think I think it's um, it comes down to where you start with that. So, like, automation can deliver the best. For an employee best kind of it can it can make their take away monday tasks like you say um it can make the work they do more rewarding but if you don't communicate that up front then actually they're not going to see it as that and so i think kind of that's really important that we communicate and articulate why we're doing this in the first place um and so and, and let, let employees lean in let them air their concerns and let them shape the solutions. Mm-hmm. I think by, by doing that, you'll get a lot more, more buy-in. And the company I worked for, Rant and Rave, we did you know, customer experience, customer feedback solutions. And one of the solutions was you know, going into a contact center and essentially giving a call center agent the ability to capture feedback on the back of their, their call with a customer. Now, I remember having conversations with organizations where they were like, well, that's a stick to beat us up with, right? So we have a call with a customer. Mm. 
we put them through to an IVR or send them a text message afterwards. And they're going to basically say, you know, the call center agent was, was terrible, didn't get my kind of problem solved. And, and therefore, you know, we're going to end up without, without jobs or getting disciplined or whatever it may be. And actually, it wasn't about that at all. It was about making sure that actually the feedback could spot problems with products, process, operations, technology, whatever it may be, and therefore make that call center agent's life and job a whole lot better. And so every time that we deployed that software, we used to bring these two big blue mascots in, balloons, cakes, drinks, and have a celebration. Um, and prior to that, obviously, we, we were, again, we would have engaged all of the employees and make sure that they all knew why we were doing this. And the organization that we were doing it on behalf would do the same. And it worked wonders because everyone bought into it. Everyone knew why. Um, and actually, yeah, of course, you're going to get times when the feedback is about the person. But actually, the, the way then you handle it is you speak to that person and say, well, what, why did that happen like that? And you hear that. And it might be the fact that they had a really shit day. <laughs> you know, we all have shit days. Sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm caught off guard and I, I, I can say something that's out of character. You know, but it's about having that empathy with the employee. Um, so, yeah, I think communication sits at the heart of all of this, really. I think you're absolutely right. That hearts and minds, to use an overused term, but it is. It's bring people along on the journey and, and make sure you address those, the elephant in the room. Ben, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, definitely. Um, we use an automation as part of our system and how we... There's, a, there's so much automation around process strategies communication you know the, the the entire dev world seems to be automated but there's there's nothing really there for the human there's nothing really there for the person and again i go to back to that point of there's this black hole there's this void of what would have been opportunities for people to you know build their emotional intelligence to understand what great leadership looks like what poor leadership looks like all through this last two years we've just lived through and that's not happened um but also it was there before there was there was still this disconnect between managers having the courage to actually speak to their employees speak to their team on a more emotional level on a more human level and that's fine if you want to stay process driven and strategy driven that's great that will make you a very good manager what it won't make you is a good leader and what the world is crying out for now is great leaders not great managers like a great leader can still manage and we're missing that bit. And, and, and I, I don't tar everyone with the same brush. I'm not coming across from the, I'm ex-military, everyone needs to be a great leader. I understand how it works and how it works in different communities, how it works in different companies. Um, but we're still, we're still missing it. It's, it's evident. It was evident before and it's even more evident now. And employees struggling to, go to their manager with maybe a small problem but they'll go straight to hr they'll go straight to the people team and they go to this almost like centralized system to be like i have a problem and more often than not you see it the problems are very trivial and could be dealt with in the moment with a manager who's clued up and understands what to do and i also i support it but i also completely you know if we're going to go into what grates me i i don't like the term mental health first aiders i think that is the worst tag that you need to give someone in a company because a first aider implies that you go there when you are broken or you have ripped or broken something and you need fixing 
and you can then be passed on to the doctor. But that seems like the only port of call between I have a problem in the business. I either go to HR or you can go to the mental health first data or all these great support mental health things that we have available. But is it not just like the ability to just share how you feel and the conversation on that day to go, this is shit. Like we have this, we have this um, term in the Marines called dripping and dripping, like ask any Marine, they're, they're just professionals at dripping and dripping means you'll just sit there and you'll moan about a situation for about a minute and then someone will nip it in the bud and then you'll try and see the positive in it. And it, and it's, and you're just, oh, this is rubbish. Yeah, it's rubbish. Yeah. And you moan a bit for a second and then, then it's done, but it's out the system. Yeah. And this is what we should be looking more for within businesses is many, many interventions on a daily basis that allow people to feel confident, to feel safe about how they are. And these mini interventions are going to your management. Like, oh, look, baby didn't sleep last night. That was a shocker of a night. I'm absolutely knackered. Can I start at 10? Yes. And where we're going with Lupin and where we're starting and where we will move in towards the future is how do you use automation to be able to spot that within your team? If half or, or over 50% of the team are green, we've got one or two people who are feeling a bit low today, a bit amber, let's nudge them towards the manager. Let's nudge the manager towards that person and not say what to say. This person feels like this, say this, make these words come out of your mouth. That's not what it's about. It's have you thought about having this conversation with this person? Have you thought about maybe bringing that one-to-one forward? Have you, have you realized that half your team are like this this week? Not give them more problems to fix, but give them awareness and triage the things that are happening within their team so they can be more effective. And then we can use automation to create that connection that's missing between managers and employees, especially to bring that more human side to the business, which ultimately creates those better leaders. And it's not all done through Slack. It's not all done um, through just advanced automation. It has to be met in the middle between that, you know, that hard, hard touch of tech and that soft skill approach from, the human as well and and that's what we're doing we, we believe we're bridging the gap so yeah we live and breathe this automation piece i think that's brilliant because you know even when it comes to one-to-ones and it's something we're all encouraged as managers to keep our one-to-ones regular but one-to-ones feel very like they're about kpis and they're about how you're performing in your job they don't feel like they're a time to just kind of have a chat um it obviously depends on your management style but they're very quite formalized don't they? And, and i think like we were talking at the, in the beginning about how we've lost that just seeing someone isn't green that day sitting at their desk and um, we've lost that we've lost the coffee chats and the let's pop out for lunch kind of team bits during the pandemic so technology has that ability to give you that well particularly that's what really inspired me when I saw Lupin was that it's that bit that you just most people wouldn't want to bother someone on a day-to-day with that little thing that they're like that's just really you know I've, I've just wasted three hours stressing over that thing because I had nobody to kind of bounce it off or just have a whinge about it with and I think just enabling that that I can at the touch of a button quickly in the morning just say you know what I'm a bit nervous about today because I've got this thing I'll just let my manager know um yeah. it, it's really empowering without without feeling intrusive I think that's the thing is sometimes it can feel like we put these formal things in place and they actually are detrimental to that conversation because it feels like I've got to prep and I've got to be very professional it's not that touch base that the coffee machine kind of um uh, structure and I, th- I think technology has the ability to bridge that genuinely and get it right yeah that's this is we literally we heard this in our first wave of feedback and we were like oh they're crying out for a one-to-one feature but they're crying out for a one-to-one feature that is useful 
like there's loads of technology around one-to-one -one features. We understand that. I come up against this with VCs, investors all the time. Like, oh, everyone does that bit, but no one's automating it. Like if you have someone who has been feeling low or just has been, has checked in as unproductive and they're open to say that, or they're just low or they're, they're a bit under the weather, we should be telling the manager, hey, bring that one-to-one -one forward and have it maybe a bit sooner. But then also give them the option to say it's not a formal one-to-one. -one. What, what if it's mm -hmm. just a catch-up? And you can select, this is a one-to-one -one, or this is a catch-up. And the catch-up, then you select, a, is it a walk? Like go for a walk with this individual or get on a phone, have a coffee, you know, do it in different ways. So it's just more like a, how are you? But, yeah. and this is the other thing was, was companies were seeing people constantly catching up. Like, oh, they're catching up every morning now. Well, use automation to be able to pick when that happens, you know, people are feeling really good, leave them to it. Like have that one-to-one -one when it's in the diary. This other person's not feeling that great at the moment. Well, they, they do deserve a catch up and maybe they do need that 45 minutes in the morning just to have a chat with you about some things that are on their mind um, and build that into then, like I say, that human touch that, that creates that connection within those teams. And, you know, the, again, using the military, but we, we march on two things, food, obviously, and morale. And if morale is missing, and we're seeing it in the news now with certain sides, if morale is missing, operational success is limited. It's the same for productivity, which ultimately drives revenue within a business and likely increases retention, is if people have higher morale and feel looked after, they're going to work harder for the team that they're around, which ultimately benefits the company. And that's the bit I don't think people are joining together at the moment. Like, oh, what's that? I'm trying to wedge it together with lots of one-to-ones and lots of goal setting, lots of OKRs, lots of KPIs. It's not. It's the, how are you? Yeah, Anything yeah. I can help you with at the moment. And so, yeah, I could speak all day long on, on that one. But I won't, I won't <laughs> yeah, it's honestly massive parallels between kind of what, what we were doing with Rant and Rave from a customer experience, customer feedback point of view, because we were anti-survey. We were very much kind of, it's the words of the customers. Yeah. You know, we, we actually were, were towards the end um, anti-net promoter score because mm. we were like, it's just another survey mechanism. And actually what we were pushing kind of the most innovative companies to do is say, be brave and just capture the words of the customers and then use technology and automation to work out what's being said. And so we used kind of sentiment analysis, text analytics to do it. Now, unfortunately, a lot of the companies were like, yeah, but we need a score. We need a score. Why do you need a score? Mm. We can work out the scoring for you. <laughs> we can work out what's needed. But it's benchmarking, it's reporting, it's appeasing shareholders. That, that all needs to change. It really yeah. does. And yeah. I think there's also kind of like dumb, in, dumb automation and, and intelligent mm -hmm. automation, right? And so intelligent automation thinks about what's going on and it uses, you know, AI and machine learning to actually make, you know, human recommendations. So you know, yeah. that, that's why kind of stuff like Lupin's great because it really kind of says, well, actually, to your point, Ben, you know, we now know that that employee likes to go for walks or hates walks. And so actually it tells their leader, do this. And therefore, and it, and it, it looks great from, from, from an employee engagement point of view, because that employee's like, wonderful. You've asked me to go for a walk. I love walking um, or vice versa. And so it's that level. Um, there's also something around, you know, feedback from the front line as well. So, we, you know, it's, it's getting rid of this kind of hierarchy within an organization where, like automations created at the top of the organization, you know, in, in, in HQ. It's like, actually, surely the people that, that, that really know what's needed from an automation point of view is people at the coalface. 
So why aren't we empowering them to like let us know what what's needed, what's broken, what needs fixing? Yeah. Um, and so that voice, I think, of the employee needs to come yeah. through loud and clear when it comes to automation as well. Absolutely, I think you've nailed it because you know in everything, um, you learn most probably from the negativity. It's the things you can change, isn't it? Positivity is great. We're doing well, but actually, the, the negative things where you'll really get the gems out that are going to drive you forward. Yeah, I think it's again coming back to culture. It's making sure that negative feedback isn't seen as a, a, a bad thing um, and not even calling it negative feedback because, you know, some employees have got the best ideas, have got the best kind of feedback, but don't feel that they can get that across. And so mm-hmm. ensuring that they feel, again, empowered and enabled to do that is so important. Um, yeah. And I think just to the point of just, in fact, having a platform that says we care about listening to you is such an outward sign that you you genuinely are listening because there won't that just didn't exist before the pandemic isn't it there wasn't a way to kind of flag to your manager it's um, true but but i think the the problem is with that we've got to be careful but we're not just listening and listening and listening and not taking That's action funny. yeah it's it's honestly i see it so much for organizations like yeah we're listening we care we've got technology blah 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 and then it's like well all right, we've been saying this for a year now and things are still the same. So bye-bye, I'm off. And so this is where I think kind of, and again, kind of platforms like Lupin (laughs) clearly advocating for that action piece. Um, So yeah, I I think that's what organisations need to wake up to really. It's it's taking action and and being decisive on on why you're doing things. We, we, there's this thing called survey fatigue and we got it first when we brought the check-in out. Everyone was like, well, is this going to fatigue anyone? everyone like having to answer a question every day it's like come on asking answering one question every day as long as that question diversifies and it has different ways of being asked and different ways of answering it um it is only one question with maybe one or two throwing extra in there um the survey fatigue in our eyes as a company doesn't even exist it's action lack of action fatigue if there's no action coming from what people have submitted if they're submitting data around i think the toilets need fixing or i don't think this team's is um is communicating as well as it could be. And then nothing changes is, well, that's when you're going to get your disgruntled employee go, well, I'm not filling it out then. And your engagement survey is a waste of time. And companies base their next year's strategy off their current engagement survey, where often they only get 50% of people filling them in. And even then the data skew if, and even then you're asking them at a point in time when they're probably thinking something at that moment to go, I think that about this company right now. It needs completely spreading out. And what needs to happen is being able to create the action for the company. So, and that's where we start with sentiment. If people are feeling low and someone reaches out to them, even if it's just an emoji or someone on the team reaches out to them, say, oh, I noticed you're low today. Everything all right. And starts that conversation, even if it's through Slack, that's a piece of action. That's, that's what that is. It's an action. Someone going, oh, from the data I submitted, there's a response coming back to me. And then we build on that. We build on that moving forward. And and going back to your point, it's it's always top down. It's like, right, here it comes. Here comes the engagement survey. We used to have it in the Marines and people would just write the most ridiculous things all over these over these engagement surveys and draw certain things as well. But I'll keep that clean for now. Um, because they didn't care because they never saw a change. What really needs to happen is it's this bottom-up approach where you can soak in and absorb the intelligence. That's why we qualify ourselves as a people intelligence platform is we can help build the intelligence within an organization, within these little micro communities within your business 
that then creates a macro effect when this action is happening across these micro communities. Um, and don't try and force down the questions of what you're trying to get from them, because when that lack of action appears, like you said, people are going to leave or they're just going to just draw all over the engagement survey and you're going to get three, 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 three. And that's the bit we're trying to get rid of. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I think that's a wonderful point to, to end on, really. Um, it is all about if we are going out and trying to engage and ensure our employees have the best well-being and mental support that they can. It's about acting on the information we've got, isn't it? Don't just let the data build up and never do anything about it. So mm. Absolutely loved that. A genuinely good talk for the next day. <laughs> I see Sverger and, and our digital innovation division, Synaptec, we really do put people at the heart of everything we do, our clients and, and internally. And we're really passionate about using technology to help relieve those pain points that we've talked about here today that impact people from being able to do their best work and be their best self um, day to day. So I'm really excited to see businesses like Lupin and, and yourself, Yannis, driving the um, Birmingham tech community to sort of shape how we harness technology to, to make our lives better and make our working lives easier and more enjoyable for the future. So absolutely delighted you could join me today. Thanks, guys. Guys, I'll let you say a quick goodbye. Thank you very much for having me on. It's, uh, it's great to begin. I think there's been a bit of a lull in being able to speak about these conversations and, and it's now coming to light of, of what's required for the future uh, of work and, and how we all fit into that. So thank you very much for having me on. It's been delightful meeting both of you. you. Likewise, it's it's been been a um, a great conversation. And um, yeah, I think kind of, it's always good when you violently agree with, with what, <laughs> what each other are saying. Um, because it means you, you, you're kind of onto something. And, and yeah, I'm excited to see kind of, you know, Ben, where, where Lupin goes from, from here. And um, also kind of, you know, great to see that Sverica and Snaptech are, are kind of leading the way when it comes to, you know, automation and making it easier for, for people to get on with what they need to be doing. Fantastic. Thanks for listening, everybody. Join us next time for the Automation Conversation. For more information and inspiration on getting your automation strategy right, download our free automation success kit at sferica.co.uk slash resources.